You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you have your Bibles tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just two verses, verse 57 is where our text is going to be found tonight. The Apostle Paul would write these words as he closes out this first letter to the church of Corinth. He says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I want to use for a subject preaching a few moments just the simple words of Paul. Your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this privilege to stand before your people and preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we just ask you once again to help us, anoint us to preach, anoint the people to hear. Thank you for your spirit that has already been moving in this service. And Father, we just ask that you would continue to move as we attempt to preach this message. And we give you all the glory and praise, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. When believers study the Bible, as we all should do, we must, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but one thing that I learned from Brother Swaggart is he made a statement and he said this, all of us need to find our place in our doctrine and to stand firmly in that. I believe as a born-again believer in the rapture of the church. Do you believe that? I believe in the resurrection. A lot of people say, well, I don't believe in the rapture because the Bible doesn't uh, use the word rapture. One preacher said the word Bible is not in the Bible, but yet we believe the Bible. And I believe that as we as believers study the Bible, it is impossible. And I'm and I know that's a strong word, but I mean that it is impossible to walk away from a thorough study of Scripture and not come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is coming back. It's impossible to read the Bible and to deny that reality and that fact. As a matter of fact, his resurrection from the dead is the foundation upon the resurrection of life. The book of Revelation declares... Uh, it has the first resurrection of life, and I don't, I don't want to dig so deep into eschatology, but I'll, uh, and I'm, I'm given this to establish what Paul is saying, because actually Paul is dealing with the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, specifically verse 51, he says, Behold, I show unto you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, that word means to die. He said, But we shall all be changed. In the moment of a twinkling of an, of an eye, uh, he says this in, ver, in verse 52. He says, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Then he says, this corrupt will put on incorruption. That's you and I. 
Uh, that means that the sin nature at that time will be completely eradicated, completely gone. And you and I will have then what the scripture talks about as a glorified body. Oh, that's some good news, saints. The glorified body. If you look at the, the, the New Testament, when Jesus was raised from the dead, remember when Jesus appeared in the room with his disciples? The Bible doesn't say he used the door, but the Bible says he appeared in the room. And that's what the glorified body can do. Uh, the glorified body, Jesus, if you look at the Bible, uh, he was in 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says we're sons of God now, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. He says when Jesus shall appear, we shall see him as he is in the glorified body and we shall be like him. Paul said we shall be changed. There won't be any pain in the glorified body. I got on contacts right now. I just had an eye doctor appointment a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'm telling you, man, if I take these contacts out, all I can see is images. Some of you, your vision may not be that bad, but mine is horrible. I was born, actually, I, I don't talk about this much, 70% blind in my left eye. But when the rapture takes place, my vision will be 20-20. Think about that. It won't be any joint pain. People who are in wheelchairs will instantly receive restoration. Cancer will be dried up instantly. And there, there's no sickness in the glorified body. I'm just telling you what we have to look forward to. There's no illness. There's no decaying. There's no rot. Every, in, every evidence in the scripture, when Jesus died, uh, he was 33 years old in the prime of his life. Every evidence is the glorified body. There won't be an aging process. Those who are aging and, and, and 90 years old or whatever the case may be. And, you know, sometimes you get older and things just don't work the way they used to. Amen, somebody. Stuff start hurting you didn't know you had. You ever wake up and just reach over to get something and all of a sudden you're in pain for three days? Young people, get ready. A few months ago, I, I woke up. I didn't do anything the day before. Man, my hip was hurting for two days. I'm walking through the house, and they said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. My hip just started hurting. All of that's going to be gone. That's right. Brothers, won't be no balding. <laughs> won't be no receding hairlines. Come on, somebody. Amen. Man, <laughs> Restored, brother. Can y'all imagine that? We're going to be in heaven. They're going to say, who is that? That's Brian. That's how he used to. <laughs> there won't be no crutches over there. There won't be no wheelchairs over there. There won't be any gurneys. There won't be any reason to even call the, the medical doctors because the physical body, the glorified body will be like Christ. We shall be changed. This tells us of the manner of the rapture. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, begin at verse 13, he tells us of the fact of the rapture. What do you mean by that? He tells us that the rapture will take place. Whether we're ready or not is going to happen. The rapture of the church is imminent, as many Bible scholars would call it. 
It is the next event on the horizon for the church. No biblical prophecy has to be fulfilled before the rapture. See, what happens, I believe, in the body of Christ is we get confused. There are a lot of people who confuse uh, the rapture and the second coming as the same event. Well, the rapture is the event that will take place when the Bible says we shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Well, at the second coming, Jesus is coming all the way back to the earth. The rapture is for the church. The second coming is for Israel. Now, think about that for just a moment. The rapture is for the church. Now, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I don't want to... I believe that. I believe wholeheartedly that the Bible declares that God hath not appointed us to wrath. Revelation chapter 3.10 tells us that we're going to be rescued from that hour that is to come. The Bible tells us that we will be saved from the wrath to come. Jesus said you will be counted worthy to escape these things. That means that before the seven year tribulation period takes place that the church will be removed from the earth. Saints, that is good news because if you read the book of Revelation from chapter 6 to chapter 19, believe me, you do not want to be on earth during that time. Revelation 6 says the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? Demon spirits unleashed on this earth in a way that the world has never seen before. Jesus said if that time had not been shortened, it would destroy all of humanity. The book of Daniel declares to us that at that time, there will be a man who will be revealed called the Antichrist, the man of sin. Revelation calls him the beast. The Bible says he will understand dark sentences. He will be an eloquent man. He will be able to deceive the very elect of God. Technology will advance. That was actually going to be my next point. And my watch just started talking while I'm preaching. Y'all forgive me for that. But the book of Daniel says that technology will be advanced at that time. So I want you to think about this for just a moment. When you see breaking news right now, we got social media saints. When something happens, unfortunately, last year, I was in North Carolina, January, and I remember everybody who knows me uh, knows I, I used to years ago. I was big into basketball, and I love the Los Angeles Lakers. I love Kobe Bryant. I was a big fan of Kobe Bryant. If you don't like the Lakers, you're out of the will of God. <laughs> I got an L.A. Dodger guy. <laughs> And, 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 and a friend of mine texted me. I was headed back to my hotel, and I got several texts start coming to my phone. Several, man. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I said, man, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. And, of course, you guys know the story. And, I, I mean, I was devastated. I was devastated. But what broke my heart is when I found out that his wife didn't get an opportunity to get a phone call, she had to find out on TV. Because the media doesn't care about truth. They just care about being first to break a story. So all of the news media outlets, I turned on Fox News, everything, everybody was covering it. And that's just one man. Can you imagine the day when suddenly millions of people, not in America, 
not just in Arkansas, but all over the world. It doesn't matter what time zone they're in. If they have said yes to Jesus Christ, there's coming a day. Now, this is mind-blowing to me. That instantly, I mean, not a gradual or six-month process. I mean, the Bible says that it will happen in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. Instantly, people are going to be caught up. And that here's the thing that's going to get me, is that the Bible says that the dead will arise first. That means I, my father died when I was 13 years old. He was saved. He's going to get to see Jesus at the rapture, and whoever you have in your family that's died in the faith, they're going to go forth because the Bible says we won't prevent them who are asleep in Christ. Can you imagine CNN and Fox you won't be able to bend this truth. You know, they'll try to put a political spin on it. They'll try everything they can, but they won't be able to, they won't be able to understand it. Breaking news today. I'm, I'm such and such standing in the middle of Times Square. We were having an event, and all of a sudden, pilots start disappearing out of planes. Drivers start disappearing off buses. Cars started flinging into other cars. The drivers just instantly disappeared. We don't know what this phenomenon is. Saints, we know what it is. It is the rapture of the church. As the old saints say, it's the great getting up morning. It's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the end of the message before the beginning, so... I'm going in a little different order. I want to establish this truth, and then I want to, because I want to show you what you're fighting for. Millions are going to disappear and be caught up to be with the Lord. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Every time I think about the rapture of the church, I get excited. When the Lord deals with my heart, I was praying about the service, and, and I know different evangelists are different. Uh, I typically, when I go to a city, I don't have three or four messages prepared for the services. That's just me. God deals with everybody differently. I'm, I'm, when I'm in the services or in the, the, the fold of the revival, it is then that God is getting, don't get me wrong, I'm praying, I'm praying Monday, Lord, what do you want for these services? And it's like, just wait. Lord, Friday night is coming. <laughs> and the Lord always begins to reveal something to me. He begins to just, sometimes it's opening up a text or sometimes it's a thought. And he shows me things in the scripture. And today as I was praying for the service, and I literally left here today, went to, went to eat with, uh, with Brother Steve and Sister Becky. We had some of the finest Mexican food. But we always have great fellowships. We went to eat, and when I get to the hotel, I'm asking the Lord, what do you want for the service? And then the Lord begins to deal with me about the rapture, and he begins to deal with me about uh, encouraging the body of Christ to hold on, just to hold on, and to keep laboring with the future in mind. And every time he deals with me about the rapture, I'm not going to lie, I'm like a little kid. Like, you want me to preach on the rapture? Like, Lord, I'm happy, I'm excited because I, I, it just, 
since I was young in the Lord, I would hear I, I would hear Brother Swagger preach on the rapture. I would hear Pastor Verdell, my old pastor, preach on the rapture. And man, I would just be enamored because I would be like trying to intellectualize and say, how are you going to do that? And really, you can't figure it out mentally or intellectually. You just have to believe what the word of God says about it. Think about it for just a moment. When Lazarus died and Jesus showed up, Bible says that Jesus looked at Lazarus' sister and said, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, this is not just a doctrine. This is not just a talking point. The resurrection is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. When he died and he was buried and he rose from the dead, he became the first fruit of those who would rise. He guaranteed that you and I would get up. But we're not just going to be resurrected. We're going to be changed. Corrupt will put on incorruption. Mortal will put on immortality. And then will the saying be brought to pass, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And then he says, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Then Paul gives us our text tonight. He says, but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. He says, we have the ultimate victory because of the cross. Let me tell you this. I've had people, I, I had a, a guy stop my wife. That's just, the, that's just the wrong thing to do. He saw me all the time, and he never stopped me. But he saw my wife, and he stopped her. He said, why does your husband talk about the cross so much? It's more in the Bible than the cross. When people say things like that, I don't think they mean harm, but I believe sometimes the body of Christ is so off to where the very thing that brought us into relationship with the Father, we start speaking negative about it. You couldn't even come close to God without Calvary. Go back to the Old Testament when God visited Moses in Exodus chapter 20. He told Moses, you tell Israel, don't come to this mountain. He said, don't even touch it or you will die. Whoa. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, since Calvary is now a fact, he says, listen, he said, you who sometimes were afar off have been made nigh by the blood. The blood opened the door so that you could approach a holy God. We're so messed up, God couldn't even be in our presence. But now, because of Calvary, you can say, Abba, humbles. my God. He says, you can call me daddy. You can call me father because of Calvary. You were alienated. You were in darkness. You were dead in sin, but you have been quickened by the blood of Jesus. So I'm sanctified. I'm justified. The blood. Hebrews chapter 10 says, by the which we are sanctified by the blood. The blood does all of it. Well, God says, well, what about the Holy Ghost? We got to move on to the Holy Ghost. You, the Holy Spirit couldn't come until Christ died on the cross. So the cross opened the door for the Holy Spirit, not just to visit us, but he takes up permanent residence in your life. Because you've been cleaned by the blood. He couldn't reside because you weren't cleaned by the blood. 
The Old Testament animals and the bulls and goats could only cover sin. But Jesus said the lamb came to take away sin. And it's because of the blood and because of the cross that you and I now can have relationship with the Father. And so the blood opened up this truth, this doctrine that we preach concerning the rapture of the church. Let me get to this tonight. He says the rapture is the event that's coming. It's the event that no prophecy has to be fulfilled. It is the event where you and I are going to go to heaven and be with the Father. Well, brother, when is that going to be? If I told you when, run, because I don't know. If anybody preaches to you and tells you they know the day, run. Because we don't know. But he did tell us this. He told us in the text, but thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brother, Paul sums up this text and says this. He doesn't say the rapture's coming this time or that time. He says, this is what you need to do. He says, brethren, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Be settled. Be settled in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. And he says, be ever increasing, abounding in the work of the Lord. You know what that means? That means keep telling people about the cross. Well, brother, I'm hurting. Keep telling people about Calvary. I'm going through a tough time. Keep telling. Listen. I'm telling you of something that, I don't know if y'all ever heard that song they used to sing when I was a little boy, Payday is Coming After a While. They would say, get your time in, Payday is Coming After a While. They were talking about the rapture. As soon that The old saints used to come to church years ago when I was a little boy. That's all they talked about, the rapture. And they had broken English. They called it the church. Y'all, some of y'all ain't never heard of the church, have you? <laughs> Not the church. The church. Jesus coming back for the church. And they meant it because they would come to church ready and they would testify. He could come right now. I'm ready. I'm ready. And they were witnessing the soul, telling people about Jesus. People were getting saved. And saints, I'm encouraging you tonight to keep, keep abounding in the work of God. Listen, keep laboring. Your labor is not in vain. It's, the word vain means empty. What you're doing for the kingdom is it has effects on people. Keep going live. Keep having the classes. Keep preaching the truth. I don't care if one person joins the live. They can be changed by the power of God. Amen. The pandemic hit, and man, I, I remember we, we were going to do a virtual service, and I didn't want to do it. I said, man, I just want to go to church. Y'all know we want to go to church. And we did the live. My mom was so, she said, we're going to have to go live. And we did the live. And we did the live. And I can remember back, first did it, I got a, my, my, I think it was my mother. She, she, she texted me. We talked. And there was a lady watching the live. You don't know who's watching or who they, uh, she just so happened to get invited by my mom. She was going through the worst time of her life. And that day watching the live, she prayed the sinner's prayer. And gave her heart to Jesus, and she's still living for the Lord. That's a year ago. You don't know who you'll reach sometimes. A lady called, I was in Virginia preaching, and, and I didn't know this. All these years had passed, and I'm just going to paraphrase it just a little bit, but I was up there preaching, and I'm not trying to bring glory to me. I'm trying to bring glory to the work of God right now. 
And she's told me she testified and she said she got home at 3 o'clock in the morning off of a drunken binge. She grew up in church but left church. And she was out partying and singing in nightclubs. And she had groupies following her. She was doing her thing. And she got home that night. She was sloppy drunk and turned on her TV. And there was crossfire. And by the grace of God, she said, Brother Torrance, you were preaching. And she said, that night, I don't even remember what, she, what the preaching was. That doesn't matter. But she said, that night, she said, I prayed the sinner's prayer. She said, God saved me and delivered me from alcohol. I stopped singing in nightclubs. That was back 2017. I saw her last year. She's married now. Got a little son now. Leading praise and worship now. Listen, your labor is not in vain. There have been times where I've... I, and most preachers go through it. Sometimes you just wonder, Lord, are we doing any good? Lord, are we, is it effective? And I've learned this. That part is not up to me. My business should be to be faithful to the call. And the Holy Ghost is going to do the work. So your labor is not in vain. If you stop somebody in Walmart and say, listen, Jesus loves you. You don't know how far that will go. But God knows. So just start planting the seeds of the cross. Just tell people, listen, Jesus saves and he loves you. And saints, we're going to reap a harvest. We're going to reap a harvest of souls. Not about money. I'm talking about souls. Your labor is not in vain. Look at what the Lord has done. This is a blessing to me. To come to this church after all of these years and see God. Some of you have been here throughout the time. I, I, that's what I look at as growth. God has blessed you and, and given you a new sanctuary and he's still blessing you. Your labor is not in vain. Sometimes it may not feel, well, I'm just going to give a, a couple of dollars in the offering. This is all I got. Your labor is not in vain. I'm telling you, say, every time you go to a prayer meeting, every time you fall on your face to the glory of God, every time you do anything for the glory of God, it is not in vain. You may be tired, you may be weary, but Paul says be steadfast and be unmovable. Why would he have to encourage Christians to be unmovable? It's because there's a lot of things that can move our faith. There are a lot of distractions that we face that can remove our faith from Christ and what he did for us into other things. That's why at times we see people fluctuate. We see people who start out strong. You've seen it and all of a sudden they dwindle away. We don't mock and make fun of them. Our hearts are broken and we pray that God restores them. But if we're unmovable saints, you get hit but you keep going. You get knocked down but you keep going. You go through trouble but you keep going. You go through trials, but you keep the, the song that he sang a little while ago. I thought, Brother Steve, don't dance across. I was saying, please dance, please dance. I love to see preachers praise God, man. But he says, I lived to tell about it. Man, let me tell you something. We can pass this microphone around tonight. All, every one of you who are here, you live to tell about it. 
The car accident that almost killed you, you live to tell about it. And so you can now take this gospel of the kingdom. And I'm going I'm to close here in just a moment. You can take this gospel of the kingdom. And you can go out and tell a lost world who Jesus Christ is and tell them that he's coming back again. They say Christians are crazy for believing in the rapture. True story. They say we're crazy. This is the best crazy. I'll just, I'm going to stay crazy because I believe this to be so. This is a faith walk. And then what always gets me is these, you, you, you've met these deep intellectual folks. Well, I've done research and, you know, I know that this biblical theology you have isn't true. I said, well, who did you learn it from? Well, just books. And I said, well, I'd rather just read this book and believe it. It's always amazing. People read books to deny the truth of this book. This book is right. It's powerful. And listen to me. You, it changed my life. Let me tell you something. A Hollywood script could not write the testimonies that are in this building tonight. No director is smart enough to write a testimony of a boy who was born in poverty. His dad was on drugs. His mother worked three and four jobs to feed them. They lived in the projects. His dad died at th when he was 13 of cancer. Mother had over two, $300,000 worth of debt. And people would have blown their brains out. She walked to church because she had no car. She had holes in her shoes and took her five kids to church. They went out in a stray, got on marijuana, got on alcohol, got on drugs. But one day Jesus saved him, sanctified him, and now his brother's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the gospel, delivered from drugs, delivered from alcohol. Don't you tell me that the labor is in vain. It's not in vain. They told my mother, you're wasting your time and your money on Tory, but look what God has done. Mother, if your child is not saved, keep praying. Let me tell you something. I would be asleep. And I would hear my mom in the next room. My brother Mario and I would come home high. And she would be in her bedroom. In the name of Jesus, save them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, she would come in there at 2 in the morning with anointing oil and lay hands on us while we were asleep. She said, devil, you can't have one of them. Man, I tell you, it's not in vain. You can't have my children. You can't have my baby. It's time for the saints to set up and rise upon your faith and say, devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my church. You can't have my husband. My God, somebody shouted here tonight. Your labor is not in vain. I know my mom is watching. Mama, your labor was not in vain. I'm saved because you kept praying. I'm sanctified because you kept praying. Some of you are saved because daddy kept praying or because mom kept praying. You ought to shout tonight if you escape the grasp of the enemy. Your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. Every prayer meeting you go to is not in vain. 
Every time you call on the name of Jesus, it's not in vain. Every time you come to church, it's not in vain. Every sermon you hear about Jesus, it's not in vain. It's not a waste. It's not a waste of time. They asked when the woman broke the alabaster box. They said, what is this waste? What is this waste? Let me tell you something. What you do for the Lord is not a waste. Praising God is not a waste. Witnessing to a soul is not a waste. What's a waste is what the world has to offer. What's a waste is the fraternities and the organizations that don't glorify Jesus. That's a waste. But when you say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die, that's not a waste. It's not a waste. Your labor is not in vain. And Paul said, he said, God gave you the victory. And it's because of the cross. It's because of Calvary. Because of that cross, soon and very soon, the trump of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This time that we have now, that old song, Beulah Land, I love that old hymn. There's a line in that song that says there's just a few days left to labor. Saints, there's just a few days left to labor. There's just a few days left to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. The Bible says God is not slack concerning his promises. He's not willing that any man should perish. He wants all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we've got to be laborers. We've got to go out and gather the harvest. We've got to pray for those who are gathering the harvest. And we've got to pray that God raises others up to gather the harvest. And we've got to believe God for souls to be saved. I'm going in the rapture. How could you say it so confidently? Because my confidence is not in me. It's in what he said in his word. If you're in Christ, you're going in the rapture. And if you're saved tonight, you're going in the rapture. But if you're not saved tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can make your eternal destiny sure tonight by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because the Bible calls it the blessed hope. We're in a process now of sanctification, ever being changed. And then this event that I'm talking about now is the ultimate victory that you and I are going to experience called the resurrection of life. He says, blessed is the man that hath part in the first resurrection on which the second resurrection has no power. What is the second resurrection? I've got to tell you this. John in the book of Revelation said, I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before the Lord. He said, death, hell, and the sea gave up its dead. I saw a white throne. And he who sat on that throne was faithful and true. He was the Lamb of God. As Revelation says, he was the only one faithful in the able to even open the book with the seals on it. He's the one who sat on that throne, that white throne judgment. He says, and the books were open. 
And those whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. I'll close this message by saying this. My mom sent me a video of a guy who was talking to his girlfriend. Very profound statement he made. He said, people always ask me, why does God send people to hell? And he said, my response is this, God doesn't send people to hell. God made a way so that people could escape hell. So the problem is not God. The problem is that people reject God's way of salvation. And his way of salvation is Jesus Christ. And tonight, if you're not saved, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you stand to your feet all over the house of God? Singers and musicians, you can come. As they play softly in whatever the Lord has for you. I'll tell you this. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, it won't alter the fact that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or anything. He's coming back for his people. Tonight, you can make your destiny sure. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you've kind of just been going in and out and you just kind of, well, I may live for God. I may not live for God. I may live for God. Tonight, you can make a decision. You say, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus and I want to live for him. I don't want to just go to an altar. I don't want to just go through the formalities of a But I want to live for Jesus and I want to tell somebody else about what he did at Calvary for a hurting and a dying world. Would you bow your heads tonight? Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for everyone who is here, those who may even be watching tonight, whoever is struggling in their walk or may not know you, Father, we pray right now for the Holy Spirit power of conviction to move upon hearts, to move upon lives, to touch and to save in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to make an altar appeal. I thought about something I heard Brother Larson say, and I'm going to share. And maybe you've heard it, but it's good to hear again. He talked about a little girl who was in a daycare. And when it got time for her to go home, her father came to pick her up. But before she left, the teacher told her, said, sweetheart, before you leave, you need to clean up all of your toys. And the little girl was heartbroken. And she began to throw a tantrum and she began to scream, daddy, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And her father looked at her and said, sweetheart, I didn't come to leave you. I came to pick you up. And that's what God is saying to some of you tonight. He didn't come to leave you behind. He came to pick you up. To pick you up out of the pit of sin. To pick you up out of the heartache and the pain and the misery.
And tonight, if you're here, I don't care if you're young or old, and you just need to get some things right with the Lord tonight. You know that you need to repent of some things and, and just let God change some things in your life. And the Spirit is actually dealing with you. Young people, adults, it doesn't matter who you are. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you right now, I'm going to ask you please to come to this altar and let's pray. Brother Torrance, I've got so much going on in my life. Come to the altar tonight and let's pray. Jesus Christ can touch you. He can fix you. If you're watching, he can heal you. He can save your marriage. He can deliver you. Let me tell you something, church. Just begin to pray. Your labor is not in vain. Pray for the lost. Pray for that wayward child. Pray for that young man. Pray. If you're here tonight, just come. And let's just begin to give those problems to the Lord. Come on, young man. Come on. Come on. Let it be real. Let it be from your heart. Lord, I, I've got to let some things go. I've got to give you some things tonight. I want you to do something in me so that I can tell somebody else who you are and what you've done at Calvary. Come on tonight as they sing. Let's just come around this altar and let's call on the Lord. Let's pray that he touches us and that he touches souls around the world. And your fear just won't subside When your questions outweigh answers On those long and lonely nights When you gotta keep on moving He is with you in the valley of despair by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.